Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. I am so happy to be here today. Nancy and I are blessed to be a part of it. We are so thrilled with this building. It is a giant victory for the Lord. It is a giant victory for the Lord. You know, you can talk all you want about the things of God and what you're going to do and how all that. It's not until you put a shovel in the ground and you actually put some, drive a stake in the ground and say, we're starting to build, that all of a sudden the devil starts to take you seriously. Amen? But all the angels of heaven are with us. They're for us. This is a great victory. I'm so proud of Pastor Marco and Lindsay and, the, and, the, and the, the dynamic force, the dynamic duo. And, you know, I'm proud of this church, too. I, I got to commend you guys for saying to them, we want to bless you. We want to send you away with your kids to enjoy them. I mean, they've been going flat out for a full year just on, just on this project alone, never mind everything else. Amen? So you guys did a good thing. It's awesome. We pray that they are blessed, Lord. I pray God reinvigorated, Lord, that they are that they are fall in love with one another all over again for the next 50 years, we pray. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you in terms of how we see ourselves as, as saved or how we see our, what, what is salvation? What does it mean to be rescued by God? And, 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 and how does that change the rest of your life? Because Unless we can see it the way the Bible says it is, we will see it wrong. And if we see it wrong, what happens is the devil gets in there and your thoughts get in there. And before you know it, you're talking yourself down and out. You know, your self-talk can beat you down. It, it can talk you down. It can talk you out. It can sit you down. It can, it can suck all your strength away because... You're not actually operating in truth if you're just listening to your head or you're just listening to these thoughts. We need to look into the Bible, find out what the truth really is because your salvation is so much more than what your head is telling you. It's so much more than that. And so, you know, we, we, we think that we are prisoners before we meet the Lord, but then when we meet the Lord, we're escaped prisoners. But in fact... We're prisoners before we meet the Lord, all bound up and can't go anywhere and, and, and so forth. But when we meet the Lord, he sets us free from being a prisoner and calls us to be his princes. It's completely different. You don't just still have your prison clothes on, but you're out running around. Actually, you take those things off and you put on a garment that is a kingly robe. And this is what we have a very difficult time understanding because your head is telling you something different than what God is trying to get you to understand. And if you only understand this one side of salvation that you're set free, you're no longer going to be punished for your sin. If you only understand that side of salvation, you only have the very beginning. But the rest of salvation is to walk into an inheritance in God that is truly yours. And, and, and this is what we don't understand, is that we genuinely have an inheritance from Christ that he wants you to have. He wants you to appropriate it. He wants you to start to walk in it. He wants you to start to own it. 
And, and, and it takes a mental shift. Actually, it takes a gut shift. A change in your perspective is how you see yourself now in Christ. But you can't help but thinking how you see yourself in Christ with, mixed in with how you used to be. We, we have to let that get cut off and say, God, I don't understand anything about my inheritance. Can you show me? So I want to talk to you today about it. If you could turn in your phones to Ephesians chapter 1. You know, what would it be like if we could actually grasp who we are in Christ as, as, as his children? What would that be like? I mean, how, how would you approach situations? Not, not as weak, not as broken, not as with your tail between your legs, but I think from a position of strength. I think from a position of authority. I'm telling you something. If you can get this, this truth today, your whole life approach is going to change. It's going to change. And, and to me, this is what salvation is supposed to be. In other words, people are supposed to look at you and they're supposed to say something happened to that person because they are just, they're totally different. They're totally different. You're no longer just an escaped prisoner. There's something else going on in your life. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul the Apostle is trying to tell the church at Ephesus, he's trying to tell these people, you guys are not getting it. And so I am praying for you over and over and over again. I'm laboring for you to understand this truth because it's deep, it's spiritual. And it goes beyond the thoughts that keep trying to drag you down about what you're not what you, you didn't do, and now you didn't do this, and you're no longer there, and you're, you're weak, and you, you can. You, you. Those are all voices that Paul is trying to say, I'm, I'm trying to get those things stopped in your life so that you can start to become who it is God made you to be. And so in Ephesians, the first chapter, how many are ready to have their minds changed today? Amen. How many are ready to have something happen in their hearts that from now on you can't forget that? Grab hold of this message today. Paul talks about this in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to put it up on the overhead. I pray also, that, I pray that the eyes of your heart, not your head, because this is not something that your head can even understand, but deep in your spirit, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, opened up, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. In order that you may know the hope. Say, know the hope. I need to know the hope. I need to not just talk about it. I need to not just hear someone preach about it. I need to know the hope that what he's called me to. And the riches of his glorious inheritance. Everybody say, receive the inheritance. I need to know the hope. I need to truly know the hope. And I need to receive the inheritance. Here and now. Not when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, it's all over. It's all done. Get in. Okay, this, everything shifts. Everything changes now. You live forever. You know, streets of gold, all that stuff. But now is when you receive your inheritance. Do you get that? And his incomparably, in other words, it's incomparable. You can't compare it to anything. Well, what if the sun blew up? Yeah, it's not, not good enough. Well, what if the whole universe collapsed? Yeah, that's not still enough power. It's incomparably great power. It's beyond comparison. Great power for us. So I want to know the hope. I want to receive the inheritance. And I want to walk in power. Everybody say walk in power. Walk in power doesn't just mean, you know, power. It means authority. 
You just have some authority on you. You don't have to brag about it, but it's there. God's hand is on your life. There is an authority on you in every situation because God is with you. You are now a son or daughter of the Lord, and now you will have this incomparably great power that is over your life, in your life, and coming through your life. You can walk now in an authority that you never had before as a prisoner, but now you're a prince or a queen. My wife is not a princess. She's a queen. I'm the prince. She's the queen. (laughs) Amen. And all the married men said, And that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, any, any, any flea-bitten principality out there that wants to say it's some big great darkness or whatever. No, no, higher than that. Every rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. A lot of times when we think about our salvation... We think about it in terms of, you know, when, when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven. God saved you now. You have this inheritance now. You need to know this hope now. You know, if we only could figure out who we truly are in God, if you can't, if you don't know who you truly are in God, how can you represent him well? How can you represent him? See, because if you think who you are in God is, I'm just, you know, I'm not just a sinner. I'm just saved by grace. And believe me, don't, I'm nothing big. I'm nothing, you know, strong. I'm, I'm really, I don't know much about the Bible. And I'm not that, you know, I'm not like a, the, I don't, I, you're going to go around like that. How can you represent God? You know what I'm saying? If you don't know who you are as a son, as a daughter, and so as this begins to dawn on you, as it comes into the, the, the heart of your spirit, something begins to shift. Wait a second. I am a son. This, this, this stuff might be happening in my life, but I am a son of God. He knows about it. He knows what's going on. Amen? I don't have to collapse on this thing. I don't have to fall apart. I am a daughter of the Lord. This stuff might be coming in on me, but I am a daughter of the, all of a sudden, your life begins to shift and you start to represent God well. And people say, boy, that person had this and this and this happened to them. But man, oh man, it's like they walk right through the fire. Why? Because they're convinced I am a daughter of God. I may go through this fire, but something good is going to come out of this thing. Why? I'm just a daughter of God. I'm just a son of God. You don't need to act like a person who's waiting for your inheritance. Your inheritance is yours now. I want to talk to you about what that is. You know, the whole, the whole term glorious, it, it means beyond incredible. It's a glorious inheritance. And the word inheritance comes from heritage. It is what's passed down to you from your rich father. So you have an inheritance in Christ. You know that you become a co-heir with Christ. Brothers and sisters, a co-heir. In other words, God now sees you and the, and the, uh, the uh, sacrifice that Christ put over your life. He sees you in that same light. So now you are not any longer this, this broken but barely saved person, but you are a co-heir with Christ. You're a son or daughter with Christ. And the inheritance, 
the heritage now begins to flow down to you. I am part of God's family. My last name has changed. My last name has changed. Where do I sup? I sup at my father's table. I sit down at his table. I'm in his house. I'm in his living room. Amen? I got the keys to his car. Why? Because I'm part of the family now. I didn't used to be, but now I am. See, you're stuck over here, and I didn't used to be. You're stuck over there. I'm trying to move you over here. Your, your, your place at the table. Your place in the family. Your, your, your lineage has shifted now from what you used to be. My, uncle, my uncles are drunk. My fathers are drunk. I'm a drunk. Well, I used to be a drunk. No, now your father is the king of kings. Amen? And that's your last name. You can't help people if you're, if you're constantly saying, you know, I'm a broken down, flea-bitten hound. I'm just barely... Ma-. You can't help people. You can be humble and say, I understand exactly where you're coming from because we're all in that boat. But I thank God he's changed my name. I thank God he's changed my inheritance. I thank God there's something on me now that is connected to him who's bigger and stronger, and that power goes with me. It's incomparably great. Can you say amen? Amen. See, let me give you an illustration. This, This thing dawned on me. You ever see those commercials where, you know, those poor little dogs that have been mistreated and, and beaten around and kicked around and not fed, and they're on this chain, and they're chained to some doghouse? You ever see those, and, and they, they want you to send money or something like that? You ever see those commercials? Huh? Some of you guys don't watch enough TV, but there's a dog, and you can see the dog, and he's looking like this into the camera, and you can see the dog's ribs, and the dog is saying, I'm beaten, I'm starving, I've been misused, and I've been beaten down. I've been... And so you're supposed to give money to that, which, uh, you know, I just changed the channel because I can't watch it. But we are like that. A dog in a vacant lot beaten by the owner, not fed, starving. We look mangy, and we're very sad. Can we get up? No. We don't have any strength to get up. We can't get up. But what happens is, you see, your rich father, your rich father sees you from the mansion across the street, and he comes over to that vacant lot, and he says, you no longer are going to be chained to this thing. You no longer are going to be under the abuse of that harsh taskmaster. I am going to set you free. And he takes these big bolt cutters, and he snaps that chain off of your life. Now you're free. And, 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 and the Lord walks back to his mansion across the street, the pearly gates and his beautiful lawn and everything. And he goes inside. He's looking out the window. You're still in the vacant lot. And, and he says to his servant, what's he doing? Oh, it looks like, he's, looks like he's yelling at the chains. I'm free. I'm free. I'm no longer chained. I'm free. I dance on my chain. I am free. You can't have me. I, you used to have me. I'm free. You're still in the vacant lot. And what happens is the old owner comes by and he still slaps you. How many of you guys know the old owner will come back and try to slap you around some more? You're still over there. He comes by. And you've got to be careful. I, I shouldn't take this metaphor too far, but you've got to be careful that chain doesn't catch on you again. Get out of there. Get across the street. Get over to the mansion. Grab hold of your inheritance. 
And this way here, when the old owner comes by and he tries to yell at you through the, through the fence, hey, you're nothing, you're this, you're that. Say, hey, get away from the fence. Get away from the fence. I, I, I'm not a prisoner anymore of yours. Back off from the fence, Jack. Can you say amen? You got to know when the devil comes calling and tries to tell you you're not this, you can't do that, you know what you did, you know that he's yelling through the fence, you're sitting in your inheritance, and you tell him, get away from the fence, Jack, before I let these dogs go on you. Can I tell you something? You are not barely saved. You're not barely saved. You are a threat to the devil. You are a threat to this city. You're a threat to the principalities and powers that have ruled over this city. You guys are not barely here. You are a threat. I commend you. Keep going. Keep doing that love your city thing. But, but it, it doesn't even matter that it's just in the natural. Because in the spiritual, there is a reverberation coming out from this property and from you folks coming out from here that is saying, no, no, there is an inheritance in the things of God. There is an inheritance in the house of God. And I'm under it. You know, uh, sometimes a visual is better than words. But if you have on you this, this understanding that I am, I am now brought into the family of God and this glorious inheritance is mine. Every situation I walk into, I have to walk into it with the glorious inheritance. I have to walk into it with that family name on me. And so instead of walking like this, now I just, you, you ever see Conor McGregor with the billionaire, billionaire strut? <laughs> but I go for a job interview. I'm going to walk into the place knowing there's an inheritance on me. I can help this company. Amen? I don't know how you survived without me, but I'm here. I'm here now. Your whole perspective changes. You're not beaten down. You're not barely saved. There's something on you that God wants on you. You walk into the hospital because Uncle so-and-so is sick. Don't walk in there and start to cry with him. I can't believe this is happening. You're such a good guy. No, no. Don't walk in there and do that. Say, I'm here to pray for you. And we're going to ask God to get you up out of this bed. You know, Nancy and I pray for the sick all the time. And what we say is like it, like there's nothing there. They got a report. They have to go back. There's another x-ray. They want to do this and that. Like there's nothing there. And they come back. They, they can't believe it. But you're not going to believe what the doctor said. It was like as though there was nothing there. What do you know? Amen? Amen. Why? Because we're operating in an inheritance. God said, I want you to operate in this thing. So if you're going to constantly operate in fear and in doubt and in weakness, that's what you're going to end up with. That's not your salvation. You're not barely saved. You're a threat to the devil. Can you say amen? So you become a walking representative of God. Even church folks, can I tell you, sometimes, and I say this with all due respect, but sometimes we need to not always have to have a pep talk. You know, we, we need to not, you know, let me just kind of, let me just kind of put on my, my weak hat here. 
How many of you are here today and you're just depressed and you're just forlorn and you have nightmares and you're just broken and you're here and you're depressed and you've had a dark week and and uh, you just need to come to church because you're broken and you're down and you're 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 distressed and you've tried to make it happen it just can't happen you love the Lord but it seems like he hates you you're trying to walk with God but you keep stumbling you try to tithe you're still broke how many of you here can relate to that you know, but, but, but here, we're here to tell you more weakness on top of weakness multiplied by weakness is going to help you be strong. I just don't think so. I think sometimes the church needs to be confronted and say, listen, God has put something on you. You need to get a hold of your faith and begin to confess it, begin to walk in that thing and say, you know what? I don't always need a pep talk because... All things work together for good somehow in my life. I don't always need a pep talk. The worship leader gets up there. Amen. We're going to worship the Lord. If you've had a tough week and you barely could make it to church and you fought on the way and your kids hate you and you, you barely wanted to come. In fact, you maybe didn't even come and you're watching the live stream right now and you're home and you're eating marshmallows in bed and. We just want to praise the Lord here and talk of his excellent goodness and how powerful he is. Really? Come on, guys. Can you relate to this? Can you relate to this? You don't always need a pep talk. I want to give you, I'm not so sure what time it is. At the church I come from in Smithfield, they have this big countdown clock. Ten, nine, finish up, close it down, get out of here. Here, you guys are like laid back. Go on, take your time, you know. Second service is in the lobby waiting. We the, the doors are closed. I want to give you some things that we're not as Christians. If we know that we have this glorious inheritance that, that's on us and we can begin to appropriate that and apprehend it. Number one, if Christians knew this, they would not be fearful. They would not be threatened. They wouldn't, be, they wouldn't be fearful about things like their finances. Let God do a miracle. Let God begin to work in this thing. Let me give you another one. We wouldn't be fearful about finding a spouse. You can see the biggest, strongest, most handsome-looking dudes afraid. Oh, that might be her. I think that's her. I think that's her. That's my impression of a geek. But the same thing with the ladies, you know. The ladies are like, I'm just trusting God. Wait, what? Whoa, whoa. Look at that guy. Hey. The time is ticking. Listen. If you know he's for you, he's with you, can you say amen? You don't need to be fearful. And, and, and no woman falls in love with that kind of stuff. Fearful about finances. Fearful about stature. I'm in work. I'm working my fingers at the bone. Johnny gets the promotion. Hold on. Hold on. Come on. You need to know the hope that you have. You need to know you have a glorious inheritance that you already received. If there is a promotion coming down that you should get, sometimes you know God is your worst enemy because he's trying to stretch you out. He's trying to see if I don't let him have this, what will he react like? God's trying to teach us. Come on, grow up. 
Grow up. If Christians knew this, they would not be stressed. They wouldn't be stressed out. You got a letter in the mail, stay positive. You got a bad report, stay positive. You know, we should, we should have a positive confession simply because we're with the Lord. Can you say amen? When I broke my neck and I was laying in the hospital bed, I'm not laying in the hospital bed saying, why me? I'm saying, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I can't move. I can't move. Well, let me try to be an example now of what trust looks like. Let me try to be an example now of what, of what not being afraid looks like. Because I have my sons and daughters and my wife and my grandchildren. I have people. I have the church. Let me, let me try to be an example of what Thanksgiving looks like. I might have a broken neck. I might be, be in this uh, neck brace. But let me have thankfulness on me, a Thanksgiving on me. See, and so, but I had to talk to myself. Wait a second, I have a glorious inheritance. God knows where I'm at. God knows I broke my neck. He was not on vacation. He's with me in this thing. God, what are you doing? What, what should I be looking like? See, if you lose your job, if you lose your job, you don't need to show your entire family, here's what panic looks like. Let me just be an example of what panic looks like. Let me be an example of what not trusting God for anything looks like. No, no. You, need, you lose your job, you just need to say, here, God has something else for me. I know where I'm going. His hand is on me. And then we're not shook. I believe circumstances happen for a reason. Are you in a circumstance? You're there for a reason. When you walk into your workplace, you're there for a reason. When you walk into a situation, or, or if you are getting stretched out, you're there for a reason. You, you have to know that. God, what am I here for? I'm not going to be shook. Every circumstance, God, you have a purpose in it. you got a reason why I'm there. So I can walk in faith. I can know, God, that you're, you're walking with me. I'm not going to be shook. I'm not going to be stressed. I'm not going to be fearful because I know the hope. I've received the inheritance and I walk in power. And then, as people, we're not dull. We're not dull. You know, a lot of times what happens to us when we start to walk into our Christianity, there's no spontaneity. Do you know that God is a very adventurous God? If you find yourself on the edge of something, you know, scared to death, God's in that thing with you. How do you like this? I don't know how I like it, God. Well, I'm going to hit the gas. <laughs> you know, one, one thing I would, I would say about this church, there seem to be more entrepreneurs in this church. I want to commend you guys. More small businesses. God is an adventurous God. He wants to get out there with you. God is not overly cautious. I don't know. The Holy Spirit jumps out at 55 miles an hour in, in, in most cars. But in my car, he seems to stay right in there, you know. I don't want to confess anymore because it gets on tape and then the state police are, Mr. Boyce, we understand. We serve a God of adventure. I remember, I have a lot of sad stories. I remember... One guy, a pastor friend of mine, I used to tell him, you know, Nancy and I, we went to Florida. We went here. We went there. We went on vacation. We had a great time. Of course, Nancy 
was the one who convinced me about vacations, that it was an awesome thing. We were married 10 years before we ever went on a vacation because to me, vacation was to build a deck, you know, to do this, to redo the stairs, to build a house. I always felt like, you know, let me take these two or three weeks and I can really get something done well, I don't have to go to, to the workplace. I can really. But she said, we should take time off and spend time together and, you know, grow together and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, what for? I'm busy. <laughs> Let's do that at home. It doesn't cost anything. She wants to go to Maui. I never heard of Maui. Maui, where's Maui? So anyway, we ended up going on vacation after we were married 10 years. And it dawned on me that. God is an adventurous God. He loves vacation. He would go on vacation with you. And not only that, but he has the money to help you pay for it. That's why I commend you that you guys got into this thing with Pastor Marco and Lindsay because, because a vacation is, is something that is very vital, very necessary. In fact, every six days, the Lord said, take a vacation day. Amen? It's called the Sabbath. We don't do it because we think, well, I'll, build, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take, do this to the pool on Sunday. You, you, you don't have any vacation time. But anyway, back to the vacation. I, I told my friend, you need to take your wife on vacation. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. But you should take her here on vacation. I can't afford that. You know uh, what happened was uh, she, she ended up cheating on him with the guy at the gym. Adventurous God. A God that wants to take you places. And then finally, Christians who are understanding that they have this inheritance, they're not insecure. They have a ton more confidence. You know, uh, life is filled with uncertainty. Uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty. And that can make you insecure. Actually, I don't mind the uncertainty because I'm certain that God has something for me in the whole thing. I'm not going to be insecure. I'm not going to be insecure about my future. I'm not going to be insecure about who I am. You know, if I go for that job interview and, and they, they say, well, you're definitely not who we're looking for, I say, what do you know? Amen? See you, see you next time. I, I don't want to be insecure about everything. I don't want to stand in front of the mirror for 45 minutes. I don't know if this, I don't know, I don't know, change this, you know. Do you believe I said that? I said, hi, how are you? That's the dumbest thing I've ever said. I don't, I'm not going to live under that pressure. <laughs> Amen? God, give me the freedom to be a son of Jesus Christ. A son of God, an heir to the throne with Christ. A daughter of God is not always insecure about everything. She can be confident. The Lord has put his royal robes on you. He's going to walk with you. And your whole approach to life will change. But here's the most important thing. You'll be a true representative of who God really is and what he really does. You're not broken, barely saved. No, no. You're a son and a daughter of God. You put that on you. And people are going to come up to you and say, tell me about this church you're going to. Tell me about this God you serve. Tell me about the Bible. People ask you funny questions. Like, you know, are there people on other planets that are related to God too? What they're really saying is, tell me about this church you're going to. 
They, they don't know how to open the conversation about something's different about you. There is a confidence. There is a sureness. There is a there's an inheritance that you're walking in. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you right now. Church, there's two sides of salvation. One is the rescue side. That's the beginning. The rest is the inheritance side. That's what we begin to walk into. The, the, the more we go with God, the more we walk into our inheritance. We need to not stay over there just at the beginning. Don't stay over there at the beginning. You need to start to walk into the rest of your salvation, which is an inheritance, an inheritance, a glorious inheritance in God. Father, I just ask you, God, for every person that's here, that we would begin to receive this truth, Lord. I pray, God, it would expose every lie in our lives, Lord, that we're not enough, that we can't make it, that we need to sit back. Lord, every fear, every insecurity, everything that would come and lie to us, Lord, I, I cast it down now, Lord. I pray, God, that this truth, that we would know the hope, receive the inheritance, and walk in power. Lord, let this be on this church, I pray. Let there be a church in New Bedford that has sons and daughters of the Lord in it. Lord, that they would reap the reward of that inheritance, I pray, God, in the present day, in the mighty name of Jesus. Church, I bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everyone said amen and amen. Let's worship the Lord. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.